0: Welcome back to our study of eschatology. This is eschatology session number 11, where we will be talking about one of the major views of the millennium, a view called historic premillennialism. Now, if you haven't either watched or listened to eschatology number 10, where I introduce the doctrine of the millennium. Talk a little bit about Revelation 21 through 6, and also talk about how we uh, deal with a doctrine that so many Christians um, disagree about. Then I would encourage you to check out Eschatology session number 10 first uh, before this one, um, because that one really does lay the foundation for what we're going to do in this session as well as uh, probably the next couple of sessions or so. So This time we're talking about uh, the view called historic premillennialism. As we said before, uh, the doctrine of the millennium, whatever view you take, whether historic premillennialism, um, whether uh, dispensational or, or pre-tribulational premillennialism, amillennialism, postmillennialism, whichever of those views you take or if those words are mostly new or totally new to you, uh, the key passage when we're talking about the millennium is always Revelation chapter 20 verses 1 through 6. So let me read that passage for us again and then we will talk about this view. Revelation 21 through 6 says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with Him for a thousand years. Now, uh, before we start talking about this particular view, uh, historic premillennialism, uh, let me say a couple of things first. One, um, there are a few resources that have been really helpful to me and that might be helpful to you if you want to dig into this doctrine of the millennium a little bit deeper. Uh, one of those resources is the, the uh, introductory notes the book of revelation in the esv study bible so in the esv study bible at the beginning of the book of revelation there's an introduction i think it's a few pages long and in that introduction there's a section specifically on the different views of the millennium and so it's it's not very long Uh, there are charts uh, pictures to kind of show you visually uh, how the different views of the millennium Uh, describe what is going to take place at the end or what is already taking place. And that can be really, really helpful. Just maybe a page or so on the major views of the millennium give you some visuals and some basic summaries Uh, uh, the other another one is um, wayne Grudem's systematic theology in fact the the notes about the millennium in the esv study bible seem to be drawn from wayne grudem's systematic theology he was i believe the general editor for the esv study bible so that's no surprise and uh, so there you'll find at a little more length Uh, The same images, I think, the same sort of sketches of what the millennium is going to look like according to the different views, but probably a little more detail of what each of these views um, says about what's going to happen in relation to the millennium. And then the last one is a book called The Meaning of the Millennium. It's edited by a guy named Edward Klaus, I believe. And uh, it has contributors, four different contributors, who each write about their view, historic premillennialism, dispensational premillennialism, amillennialism, and postmillennialism, and then they each respond to the views of the others. So, if you want to hear somebody who's advocating for a particular view and explaining why other views are not correct, um, that might be the book for you. It's a little more detail, obviously, because it's a, a a book-length treatment of the millennium, but it covers all four of the major views. So, I'm going to be drawing on all of those resources, not only in this video but in the or or lesson. Um, but also in the uh, next two or three, as we talk about these different views of the millennium. So, what is historic premillennialism, and why is it called that? Well, remember we said uh, whether you're talking about premillennialism or postmillennialism or all millennialism, the prefix there has to do with the relationship between the return of Christ and the thousand years spoken of in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 6. Uh, this thousand years that is mentioned multiple times in Revelation 20, when is that going to happen? If the, res- if the return of Christ is going to happen before the millennium, that's what we call premillennialism. And there are two versions of that, one we're looking at today, one we'll probably look at next time. If you believe that Christ will return after this thousand years, that's post-millennialism. Or if you think that this millennium is already taking place and so it's not really a matter of pre or post, that's the amillennial view. So historic premillennialism holds that Jesus will return before this thousand year period described in Revelation 20. It's called historic premillennialism or sometimes classic or classical premillennialism because this view seems to have uh, some uh, older adherents or followers or advocates of this view than the dispensational view of the millennium. That's probably um, debatable. i looked at at least one person who contests. Uh, the claim that this version of premillennialism is historic, but nonetheless, that's what it's called. That is the claim that this view of the millennium goes back um, a considerable uh, way in the history of the church. So, what does this view hold? What does this view hold? Um, teach well um this is the view of, for those of you who may be interested this is the view that i am closest to but for this view and every view we talk about i will um, not only say these are its major claims but i'll also say here are some of the the problems or the difficulties or the questions that we might have about this view no view uh, of all the ones that we're going to cover, there's not one of them that answers all of our questions. There's not one of them, at least in my opinion, that makes sense of everything that we have uh, in the Bible in such a clear way that you can't help but accept that view. So I- I'll give you some arguments in favor of this view and some arguments in opposition uh to this view all right so here are the fundamentals of historic premillennialism. All right number one as we said jesus will return before the millennium before this thousand year period hence the prefix v or pre but after the period of great tribulation so if there's going to be a period of 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 intense Tribulation uh, toward the end of time. Um, Jesus is not going to return before that. That's a different view that we'll talk about next time. Um, but instead, Jesus will return after this period of tribulation, but before the millennium. All right, that's number one. Number two, when Jesus returns, believers who have died will be raised from the dead. But unbelievers will not yet be raised from the dead. Remember we said that the Bible teaches a general resurrection, that both believers and unbelievers will be raised from the dead. But this view teaches that those uh, resurrections will not occur at the same time. And that's why Revelation 20, uh, according to this view, speaks of the first resurrection in verse 5. The first resurrection is the resurrection of believers those believers who have died before the return of Christ it is a literal bodily resurrection number three upon his return Jesus will begin his millennial reign on the earth whether that's a literal 1,000 year period or whether 1,000 years there represents just a very long period of time Jesus will reign upon the earth Number four, at the end of the millennium, unbelievers who have died will be raised from the dead. So their resurrection will happen after the millennium. And number five, after the resurrection of of those dead unbelievers, there will be a final judgment and then the eternal state, the new heavens and the new earth uh, and the lake of fire, as we talked about previously. Now, this view... Um, fits with a more chronological reading of Revelation 19, 20, and 21. Revelation 19 appears to describe the return of Christ as a rider on a white horse. Then Revelation 20, the first part, describes this thousand year reign. The last part of chapter 20 describes the final judgment. And then 21 and 22 describe the new heavens and the new earth. So if this view is accurate, Um, then, or the dispensational premillennial view, both of these would work similarly, Um, then these last chapters of Revelation appear to be chronological, to tell us in order. Jesus will come, thousand year reign, final judgment, then final state, new heavens and new earth, or the lake of fire. So that's how this view works, and that's how this view fits with the book of Revelation. Now, there are some arguments against the historic premillennial position that are worth considering, right? Number one, if this view is true, then that means there will be glorified believers reigning with Christ, so notice verse four, Uh, Then I saw thrones and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and those who had not worshiped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So these believers have been raised from the dead and they are reigning with Christ upon the earth. If that's happening according to the pre-millennial, historic premillennial view, then there will be glorified believers reigning with Christ on the earth while there are still unbelievers on the earth who do not have resurrected bodies or glorified bodies. That's not that that's impossible, but that does seem a little strange. Right. Number two, the rest of the scripture seems to teach that at the return of Christ, all the dead are raised, And uh, the end of history comes without this millennium interrupting the scheme. So in other words, outside of the book of Revelation, there doesn't seem to be any clear indication that there's going to be between the return of Christ and the new heavens and the new earth any thousand year period. If you read in Second uh, Peter 3 about the return of Christ and the uh, destruction of the cosmos as we know it, and in the new heavens and the new earth, he doesn't say anything about a millennium. We don't find anything about a millennium in Paul. Uh, Revelation 20 is the only passage in the New Testament uh, that explicitly mentions a 1,000 year period. So um, what do we do with that? Well, A response to that would be that often in the Bible, books that come later in scripture fill in gaps that were left by earlier books of scripture. So what was said earlier was true, but we get more information, fuller information as we go. And so you could argue that the book of Revelation is the last book, or at least close to the last book that we receive in the New Testament. Not only does it come last in the Bible, but it was probably one of the last ones to be written and if that was the case then it is simply giving us more information about the end than what we received previously All right um third uh, argument against this view is that the doctrine of a thousand-year earthly reign of christ between the return of christ and the final state is only taught in one passage of scripture we mentioned this uh in passing just a moment ago but it's worth repeating again that if this is the right interpretation of revelation chapter 20 this is the only place in the bible where it can be clearly where it is clearly stated or appears to be clearly stated that jesus is going to reign on the earth for a thousand years after his return there may be some other passages that you could argue might fit with this period of time, but there doesn't appear to be any other clear statement in the Bible of Jesus returning in order to reign upon the earth for a thousand years before the renewal or the replacement, depending on your interpretation, of the uh, of the cosmos in the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. So... Um, that's a little difficult too, I, I, only one passage. Now you only need one, but still to only have one, we do, it's hard to build too much on one passage of scripture. All right, and here's the final one, the fourth objection, fourth argument against this view, would be that this doctrine is being built on an unclear passage of scripture. We should let the clear passages about the return of Christ, the resurrection of the just and the unjust, and so forth, uh, all happening at once, interpret this unclear passage in other words when we interpret scripture one of the general principles of interpreting the bible is you let the clearer passages shed light on the more obscure passages the less clear passages and you could make a case that there are lots of clear passages about Believers and unbelievers both being raised from the dead about the return of Christ being followed by um, the destruction of death immediately and uh, Perhaps even by the new heavens and the new earth and so shouldn't we let those passages? sort of control our interpretation of this passage since this is rather unclear and the Argument for it being unclear would be based on the fact that it's in the book of Revelation Which is a difficult book to interpret On the fact that it's only one passage um, and that obviously it's not as clear as some other passages because all kinds of Christians disagree on what this passage means. Uh, One way to respond to that objection would be to say that this passage is not unclear, um, that it's actually quite clear. How how else do you explain uh, John using the term first resurrection unless there's the division between the resurrection of believers and the resurrection of unbelievers? It's not contradicting the teaching that there's going to be a resurrection of the just and the unjust. It's just adding that there's going to be a a span of time between those two resurrections and so on. So that's the basics of the historic premillennial view. Um, Jesus is going to come back before the millennium. When he returns, he is going to reign upon the earth for a thousand years. As he reigns upon the earth for a thousand years, those who had died before his return uh, or who were alive at his return will be resurrected or glorified and will reign with him on the earth for that thousand year period. And then at the end of of that thousand years is when the dead will be raised and they will be judged and then comes the new heavens and the new earth. Now, again, there are um, objections to that view. Some of them uh, are serious, uh, worth considering. But um, all these views of, of the millennium, again, will have these uh, arguments against their interpretation that uh, will make us you know, sort of scratch our heads and, and wonder and ask questions. And that's a good thing if it pushes us back into scripture to study and dig and seek to learn and no more. So next time, Lord willing, we will talk about dispensational premillennialism, which is uh, probably the version that you're uh, more used to uh, or more familiar with. If uh, if you're used to um, hearing about the, thinking about the rapture, and uh, jesus coming before the period of tribulation and whatnot we'll get to that view next time dispensational premillennialism, uh in that uh and in the meantime though as we've said over and over throughout this study uh what we want more than anything is for jesus to come maranatha amen come lord jesus and uh, we'll look at the word together again next time